the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. It is the Nick D Podcast. How you doing? My name is Nick DeGilio. I am your host. It is episode number 176 of the Nick D Podcast right here at the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, the best podcast podcast network in the world. Please check out all of the other great podcasts that we have here and check out our live streaming service. It's like radio, only a lot cooler. And that's at radiomisfits.live 24-7. You can hear unheard music uh, by unsigned bands. It's a great, the unheard music show is fantastic. Incredible episodes of so many other varied and informative and funny and entertaining podcasts that are available at Radio Misfits, including my two podcasts. You can hear this podcast every day at 3 p.m. Central, broadcast live uh, on uh, the uh, service, on the streaming service. And you can hear my SNL podcast, that show hasn't been funny in years in SNL podcast every morning at 9 a.m. Central. So tune in to the live streaming service right now, radio only cooler at radiomisfits.live. You can be a part of this podcast. Hey, you want to be a sponsor? We'd love to have you as a sponsor to advertise here. You know, a lot of people listen to this podcast, and it would be really cool if you did, and uh, you'd reach a lot of people. So you want to be a sponsor? Advertise with us on the Nick T Podcast. Send us an email saying, I want to advertise on the Nick T Podcast. Sales at radiomisfits.com will do that for you. You just want to be a part of the podcast by leaving a voicemail or an email to share your thoughts or your comments or to be a part of the Magic Megaphone segment. You, you want me to say something into the Magic Megaphone? I will do it. Uh, you want to leave some comments? 24-7, the voicemail system is wide open. Leave your voicemails anytime you want at 773-417-6948. Do it now. Leave your emails with your thoughts and comments for either podcast that I do. And do that, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Jason Skaggs does all the music and the themes and the songs and the weirdness and the audio, and he's awesome, and Ed Sella does everything else. He's the man. Please take the time to share and like and rate and review us on every platform. It's the Nick D Podcast on Radio Misfits Podcast Network. So uh, there you go. Coming up on today's podcast uh, episode, Dan Feinberg, who joins me every other week to talk television. He writes for The Hollywood Reporter. He has a, uh, a website called The Fine Print, F-I-E-N. He is the no- most knowledgeable and the best and the really coolest and the funniest and the most entertaining. He knows more about TV than anybody on the planet, and he's my friend, and he joins me every other week. We got a lot of TV to talk about. We'll continue to uh, talk a little bit about what's happening with the strike and so on and so forth. So it's TV time with Dan Feinberg, and that's coming up. Ezreal Leon, who joins me on every single episode, is going to join me again. for. Uh, we're going to talk more about uh, celebrity um, rumors and some other crazy stories and some things that have happened to us over the week and the weekend. My dad's going to stop by and tell a joke. Every, every Tuesday, my dad knocks on the back door, busts it open, kicks this uh, woman out of the Hi, way. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. He does not kick her out of the way. He loves her as much as I do. And Carrie Russell, uh, I, I love you. And she lives on my back Hi, door, I'm so. Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Anyway, my 82-year-old dad is going to be here uh, to close out the show with another spectacular joke from his endless supplies 
of jokes. So my dad stops by to tell a joke. Esmeralda Leon is going to be here for our segment. Dan Feinberg is going to talk TV and much, much more. And you are here and I am happy. And I want you to be with us because we are returning live to Zanies in Rosemont. That's right. The Nick D podcast live is going to return to Zanies for a regular basis. And we're coming back on Tuesday, October 24th. We've done it several times out there at Zanies with these live shows, and they've all been a blast. And everybody who has come has had a fantastic time. And we want you to be there. Let's pack the place for a live podcast recording. You will be part of a live podcast recording. It's interactive. You'll be a part of it. We'll ask you questions. We'll do some trivia. We'll give away some incredible prizes and dinners to Gale Street Inn and uh, apt gift card um, uh, and all kinds of really cool stuff. We'll give away a megaphone. It's going to be right around Halloween, so we'll do some weird uh, Halloween candy taste tests. Esmeralda Leon will be my co-host, and we'll have a great time talking and hanging out and telling stories, and we'll do some scary stuff for Halloween. You will be there, and my special guest is Andrea Darlis, the wonderful Andrea Darlis, who I worked with for so many years at WGN, the car wash, and Esmeralda worked with her there. She is now with WLS. She appears uh, every once in a while on Steve Cochran's show, co-hosting with him, and she's got her own podcast on WLS. She's an incredible broadcaster. She's been on WGN Radio and WGN TV. She's unbelievably entertaining, Chicago native, and I love Andrea, and Andrea's going to be there on stage. So it's going to be me, Esmeralda, and the great Andrea Darlis live on stage. You can meet her and talk to her, and you're going to hear her, and it's going to be so entertaining. And it's going to be a blast. I guarantee you this episode of the live podcast at Zanies and Rosemont is going to be spectacular. So get your tickets now. The Nick D Podcast Live with special guest Andrea Darlis, Tuesday, October 24th, 2023 at Zanies and Rosemont. Really easy to get to. There's a parking lot. There's all kinds of bars and food and all kinds of great places where you can go to before or after. The doors will open at 6.30 p.m. and the show starts at 7.30. You can be a part of it. Interactive, hilarious stories. My dad is going to be there to close the show and tell some jokes. So um, you've never seen my dad get up on stage at Zany's and tell jokes. Let me tell you something. That's worth the price of admission alone. So get out there and see my dad and me and Esmeralda and the great Andrea Darlis and you as part of the podcast. Uh, it's just going to be fantastic and so much fun. It'll be so much fun to be back at Zany's. I love Zany's. And it's going to be hilarious and a great night out. And it's, uh, you can get your tickets right now. The tickets are on sale right now. So get them now. Let's load this place up with Nick D fans, Andrea Darlis, me, Esmeralda, Halloween candy, giveaways, my dad. It's going to be spectacular fun, and you need to get your reservations now. It's the Nick D Podcast Live, Tuesday, October 24th, Zanies in Rosemont. So you can go to the website and get your tickets now at rosemont.zanies.com. Get those tickets now, rosemont.zanies.com, or you can call the box office to get your reservations if you have any questions, 847-813-0484. 847-813-0484, rosemont.zanies.com. Tuesday, October 24th, 7.30 showtime, Zanies and Rosemont. It's the Nick D Podcast Live with you being a vital part of it and having a great time and laughing your butt off and really having a good time and winning some prizes. It's going to be great. Special guest, Andrea Darlis. Get those tickets now, rosemont.zanies.com, the Nick D Podcast Live, Tuesday, October 24th at Zanies and Rosemont, showtime at 7.30. And get those tickets, and we'll see you there. It's going to be a black. Can't wait to be back on stage with Andrea Darlis again. Man, it's going to be so good. Don't get jealous. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. That's right. Episode 176 has commenced. Dan Feinberg is the TV guy from The Hollywood Reporter and The Fine Print. It's time to talk TV um, right after this. Hey there. Are you tired of that same old, the same old stories? Well, buckle up, because Brian Alaspa's devoured. Yeah, that's right. Brian Alaspa's devoured. 
is about to take you on a wild ride. St. Louis is teetering on the edge with riots, unrest, and the mayor's downright stubborn insistence that the 4th of July must go on. But don't tell that to public safety manager Logan Field. He's got problems bigger than the most overcooked barbecue. With a deadly attack, a missing boy, and mysterious events that make your Aunt Sally's ghost stories look like a fairy tale, something sinister is brewing in the city. Logan's at his wit's end. The only help he can find is a struggling hunter and a professor who's a whiz with ancient evils. It sounds like the start of a bad joke, right? But there's nothing funny about what's awakening in St. Louis. So join the race against time as this unlikely trio faces down an evil as old as time itself. Think your commute's tough? Try saving a city from being, you guessed it, devoured. Brian Alaspa's Devoured will have you laughing and gasping and frantically flipping pages. So grab some popcorn, turn down those lights, and dive into a world where saving the city just might be the craziest 4th of July ever, and trust us, it's more exciting than a sparkler, and the only thing that might get burned is the midnight oil as you read till dawn. Brian Alaspa's Devoured. Thrilling, chilling, and the perfect way to spice up your summer. It's available now in paperback for Kindle exclusively through Amazon.com. Brian Alaspa's Devoured. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jaggle. Somewhere else, Dan Feinberg. That's right. It's time to talk to Dan Feinberg. Dan Feinberg, uh, terrific TV writer, TV critic, who um, has been a part of all of the shows that I've done for many, many, many years, and and now into the podcast for a year and a half. We've been doing this podcast. Dan's with us uh, every other uh, Tuesday to talk TV. The Fine Print, F-I-E-N, is the website. And uh, The Hollywood Reporter is where he writes for, and it's time to talk to Dan Feinberg. Hello, Dan. What up, Nick? How are you, sir? Keeping way too busy. Way too busy. (laughs) I have friends who are at the uh, Toronto Film Festival. Um, and I know that you are covering some doc stuff. How does that work out for you? They, they, you, you, you get to review a few docs that will eventually show up on TV? Um, not even necessarily with that degree of specificity. I, I think mostly it's I cover a lot of docs, and because that's where the marketplace is, most of them end up being on TV. It, it yeah. isn't quite as simple as this one is going to be on Netflix already, so so here, take it. Mostly it's when it gets to be one of these all-hands-on-deck situations with something like Sundance or the past few weeks with uh, Venice into TIFF into yeah. Telluride or not in that order, but still yeah. I, you know, I lend a hand. I like reviewing the docs and, uh, and yeah, as, as I always say, a, a bad narrative film can be a horrible, horrible thing. A bad documentary kind of worst case scenario. It's 90 minutes and you learn something. So, right. Right. Yeah. True. In some cases, or it pisses you off like Michael Moore. 
Oh, that's well, I mean that uh, that uh, happens that happens sometimes, and <laughs> right. and certainly I think probably a lot of the documentaries that might piss me off more tend not to be the kind of things that play at film festivals like True. this. So you know. True. Uh, and so now because of these uh, Venice film festivals and, and and Toronto and all these other film festivals, when you do rate them, do you have to rate them by how long you stood and applauded afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> Even the ones I love the most on my couch, I stay respectfully seated. Yeah, I am but... so, I've just, it's gotten to the point now, I mean, this is just a recent thing uh, that they've concentrated on in the press where it's like every year now for the past, I guess like three, four years or something like that, it's been, they measure how great a movie is by how long people gave it a standing ovation, particularly at Venice and particularly at, you know, like Cannes and everything like that. But it's unbelievable that that's a thing now. It is, it is strange. And then there are all of the questions about who has the responsibility of the stopwatch, when you officially yeah. start it, yeah. when you officially end it. Um, right. If, you know, if there's a three-minute standing ovation, but then they bring the director out on stage towards the end, but everybody is still standing, but then everyone feels the need to keep standing for the director, is that a continuous standing ovation? It is, but it's... You know, there, there's definitely right. an asterisk next to that. So, yes, it's utter bullshit. <laughs> it's complete bullshit. And it's just so hilarious because I remember, um, like, and it's so inconsistent, too, because, like, these movies that would get, like, these 10-minute standing ovations. Like, I mean, you know, The the Whale, which I, I actually really, really liked a lot. The Whale got, like, a 15-minute standing ovation, and that movie, did, for the most part, was forgotten or disliked by most people. Um, and... Um, Bardo, which I loved. Again, another movie. Maybe I should have been to these film festivals standing <laughs> at these things, too, because I loved Bardo. I loved Inaratu's Bardo, and everybody hated that movie last year, and it got like a 14-minute standing ovation, because you never tell, you know? Um, it's, also, it's these, a, are, these are premiere screenings, which yeah. means that there's a certain percentage of the crowd that is associated with the film in various ways, and then there are other people who are part of the you know, distribution cycle for other films. And so do you stand for this film because right. you hope people will stand for yours or do you right. not stand because you want to make a very clear point that it's not your darn film. So you're not going to stand. Yeah. And then you it's... get all of, and then you get all of these report, all the reporting on it and everyone's just putting their own spin on it. Cause it's, the exact same standing ovation regardless right. but like you will absolutely see these stories are like played to a played to a lukewarm reaction from the crowd with only a six and a half minute standing right. ovation <laughs> like what are we even talking right. about it's just so absurd it really is absurd so it anyway. very much is um well i i knew that we didn't be in agreement on that and i'm glad that you just sat on your couch afterwards and did not stand for 15 minutes in your house I, I try to I try to avoid, but the, you know, look, we've we've all been to film festivals. Have I been to Sundance screenings where people did give extending stand extended standing ovations to things? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do I feel like there's any correlation at all between that and whether or not it was actually a good movie? Zero. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a member of the Chicago Film Critics Association here, and uh, they have a we have a festival called the Chicago Critics Film Festival. It's the only festival in the country in fact that is programmed by film critics um and uh, we have it at the beautiful music box theater here in the city and i know the programmers i'm very good friends with the people who program it and then and, and they program the movies and then i show up and i see them and, and uh they had like a big opening night and closing night movies and all that kind of stuff and one of the their opening night film from the year before because i don't i don't program it i'm just a member of the association but i don't program them and the opening night uh, movie uh, two two seasons or two years ago at the festival was that um 
Jesus, what was the name of the the? What, and I can't remember the jerk's name. The guy who wrote it, he directed it, he's in it. Dakota Johnson is in it. He's a Jewish guy who, uh, uh, who 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 uh, uh, he's a DJ at bar mitzvahs and stuff. And um, yes. What the hell is it called? Do you remember what it's called? It, it, it had a dumb name. It was like Cha Cha for Real or something. Yeah, that's for, it. Cha Cha for Real. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Uh, anyway, that guy, whoever that guy is, um, the who's in it, who wrote it and directed, it, I hated the movie. I just found him unbearable, and I had to get the hell out. And they and they and it got like the place was packed. There was you know, like eight hundred people in the theater. It was rapturous, long applause, and there was a Q and A with him afterwards. So he was there, and he introduced the movie, and he was all charming. And I found him. I wanted to punch him, but. I ended up leaving, so that that was not representative. You know, like, I've been to film festivals where people go completely apeshit over a movie, and that being a very good example. And I just was like, oh. so, Look, every, you know, it's, you, you, get in, you get into a film festival mood. It's easier for me to justify in cases like Sundance where you can go, oh, it's the altitude, or, uh, <laughs> or, or, something, like, or something like Venice on the first day where you're like, well, everyone's kind of jet lagged. Everyone's, everyone's jet lagged, and they're just happy to have been out on, uh, out on the canals yesterday or right, something. Right, but if, yeah. you're in Tor- if you're in Toronto, come on, it's just Toronto. <laughs> But yeah, and you can say that by the way, you're Canadian. You can. I don't, want, to get, I don't I, want people getting bitchy, bitchy with us. Because my my whole my whole family, well, not my yeah. whole family, but large chunks of my family are in Toronto, and right. I'm sure they wouldn't give Toronto a standing ovation necessarily. Exactly. exactly. Okay. Well, that's out of the way. Now, having said that, you you just recently uh, uh, posted a video or a video a, a review of a doc that is going to be on Netflix, but was. Was part of Toronto? Yes, part of the Toronto Film Festival for this year. Which one are we even talking We're about? Talking, I'm like sorry. So yes, many... I'm sorry. You're all confused. I should probably. It's uh, <laughs> all the light we cannot see. All the light uh, we cannot it, see. Okay, yeah. so that one's actually that one is actually a TV series. Oh, it's um, a series. Okay. Yes, this this is one of the the few kind of gala TV premieres associated with uh, with Toronto. But okay. you know, obviously, everyone wants to get in on the on the uh, action on the stand up um, action. You want to get up on the standing ovation? Oh action. God! And I haven't heard any stories at all about how long the standing ovation was for. <laughs> Uh, all the light we cannot see, which could have something to do with the fact that it's unfortunately um, kind of awful. Uh, yeah. It, well, I mean, look, it's. I don't. I'm assuming that you haven't read the uh, the novel that it's based on. I have not. Okay, so it's Anthony Doerr. Uh, it's a Pulitzer Prize winning novel from six or seven years ago, seven or eight years ago, and so there are people who loved that book mm-hmm. and uh and who are going to be extremely disappointed by this this is an it's an eight episode adapt not eight episode four episode half of eight <laughs> better than eight especially <laughs> since it's bad uh <laughs> adapted adapted by stephen knight who if one is being generous one would call uh the screenwriter of uh Various different movies. Uh, I really enjoyed Locke, the uh, the single car uh, Tom Hardy movie. Um, But anyway, he also uh, created Peaky Blinders, which folks love because it's fantastically written. But he also did the very, very strange FX uh, Christmas Carol adaptation a couple years ago, which is one of the worst pieces of adaptation I think I've ever seen. And this is unfortunately kind of right in Mm. that class uh mm-hmm. for people who don't know the the basic story is it's a world war ii set novel two parallel storylines one involving a reluctant young nazi who's also a radio technician genius um and the other is a blind teenage girl whose uh father worked at a museum in paris anyway uh they're connected through 
an interest in radio, but also past. And of course, World War II is going on. So, you know, the one who's a Nazi, not so much uh, eager with the one who, you know, is maybe having something to do with the resistance in this French city. Uh, their storylines intersect and stuff. Uh, in terms of the actual adaptation, uh, I would say that probably from like the second episode on, not a single thing that happens in the book happens in the series, which is uh, definitely a choice of adaptation wow. to say, okay. um, you know, like the, the, the shape of the relationships is similar. So you, you never forget that you're watching this story, but the actual plot points and events, many of the characters, et cetera, um, all new, mostly not very good. Uh, the young actors are, are newcomers. Um, and, and the, the, the young Nazi guy is, is not particularly good, but he's mostly miscast. The, uh, actress playing the, uh, deaf girl, um, Aria Mia Loberti, she's a first time actor. Uh, she's also legally uh, blind. Um, if I said deaf, I meant blind, but mm -hmm. anyway, <laughs> yeah, apologies. That's okay. Um, and, and she's actually pretty good. And then you've got more recognizable supporting players. Mark Ruffalo plays uh, the girl's father. He's very kind of one note and kindly. Uh, Hugh Laurie plays the girl's great uncle. He has a bushy beard. Uh, that's his performance. Uh, <laughs> and and yeah, it's, it's just unfortunately a mess. I, I do kind of wonder if, uh, if people who haven't read the book can at least appreciate its mediocrity on its own level, as opposed to people who come in with high expectations who are uh, going to yeah. be flummoxed and disappointed. Uh, but yeah, so so this one doesn't premiere until November, which means that Netflix very clearly thought they had a better show than they mm. do. Um, okay. Yeah, a little, little baffled, honestly, by that part of things, that uh, mm. that they thought this was a, an awards contender type thing. It, it really is not. Okay, that's too bad. Lots of big names involved in that, too. So Indeed. Uh, yeah. uh, so you can check all this out, by the way. You can read this all uh, at the fine print, F-I-E-N, and at Hollywood Reporter. And also, uh, podcasts. Tell us uh, again about uh, TV's Top 5. And it's been, a, it's been a little while since we talked last. What are some of the episodes that, you can, uh, that people can listen to that have been added lately? Well, we took at least one week off, so yeah. uh, so so that was fun. I mean, from uh, from the other podcast, so yes, there that's was, what I there, mean. Was, yes. there was yeah. a dark week. Uh, but anyway, yes, uh, TV's top five is the weekly podcast I do with my THR colleague Leslie Goldberg. We go through all of the week's news in television industry and whatnot. I offer reviews, and uh, we always tend to have an interview segment. Back in the day, it used to be a promotional showrunner interview. Now it has been kind of a rotating random people talking about things relating to the various strikes in the industry. And so we've been doing a lot of that. Uh, last week, we had my friend and colleague, uh, a Rolling Stone chief TV critic, Alan Sepinwall, dropped mm -hmm. by and we talked about an assortment of TV finales, uh, including the series finale of How To with John Wilson, uh, the finale of Justified City Primeval, and we talked about the ends of the most recent seasons of, uh, which seasons do we talk about? Ah, yes, Dark Winds, and as a potential setup for a little conversation, maybe, mm -hmm. uh, what we do in the shadows. So yeah. that comes out That comes out every Friday, and that is TV's Top 5. TV's Top 5, and you can check it out through, of course, both the websites, The Fine Print and The Hollywood Reporter. TV's Top 5, every Friday, brand new episode um, uh, is uh, uh, drops. So you should definitely check it out. It's a great podcast. 
Uh, you did mention what we do in the shadows. Um, solid season. I don't think I was in love with the with the, the with the final two episodes. Um, I thought they were okay. They were fine. They were good. But there were definitely episodes during the season that I thought were spectacular. Um, and I think that's been the case the past few seasons where some of the episodes have been okay, but some have been amazing. Um, I think last season was better in terms of consistency than this past season. I think down the stretch, I think down the stretch, I agree with you. I think, I think my feeling has always been kind of seasons have started a little slow and then picked up uh, kind of mid season. And I definitely felt this season did as well. Um, I'm with you though. I I also thought that the end of the season was, uh, I don't want to say bad. It was just, it was kind of, to me, the reset in the finale took away a lot of, I agree what I thought was interesting about a lot of the season. And, and it frustrated me a little. It didn't me frustrate too. me a lot. but yeah. No, it, it, it did. It, I think it frustrated me a little bit more than it frustrated you. I was like, oh, come on. But there were so many great episodes uh, this season. I mean, laugh out loud. Like, really, really great stuff. It's still consistently one of the funniest shows on TV, and I love it. Um, I mean, it's going to come back, obviously, I would imagine. I mean, at this, at this point, everything yeah, is... Well, on hold, but uh, yes, it is. This will not be the series finale of what yeah. we do in the shadows. Yeah. But yeah. but it was. I thought there was great stuff uh, in it, and um, I enjoyed Doug jo- Doug Jones coming back. He always makes me just crack up. Um, and I just thought. I mean, I thought some of it was just like like I thought the the episode where uh, um, he was te- where uh, uh, they were teaching class. I thought was unbelievably funny, and 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 Nadia had a lot to do this season, and she's my favorite character on the show, and they gave her a lot to do. So I was happy about that. She had a lot to do. I no, I thought I thought a lot of the episodes in the middle of the season were terrific. I thought yeah. that the hybrid creatures episode was yeah, as as funny as anything the show has done. I thought it was yeah. wildly out in left field and yet did yeah. every strange thing it tried to do extremely well. Yeah. So um, a sal- again, a solid season. A little disappointing in the ending, but you know who knows? I mean, it's been it's been kind of uh, up and down. Every season is like that. It's like, oh, there are some spectacular episodes, and then there are some not so spectacular episodes. But uh, on the whole, hilarious show, and I'm glad it, I'm glad it exists. So that's cool. Uh, you know, speaking of uh, documentaries, um, I have not talked to you since I've watched all of Telemarketers. Oh my God, did I love it! I absolutely <laughs> loved it. And for people who might not know, let's remind everybody what Telemarketers is because it's still it's on HBO, it's on Max. You can watch it there. And I highly recommend it for people who might not have heard the last episode where we talked a little. You reviewed it, so. and it's uh, and and since it's only three hours, it's yeah. it's such a fast and easy show to watch on uh, on Max, as you say. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, and and it feels as if it's a show that people seem to be enjoying and seem to be watching. So yeah. that's good. Uh, anyway, yeah, for people who don't remember, and we did talk about it last time, it is. Uh, Directed by Sam Lipman Stern and Annabella L- Adam Balalo, and it's kind of about Sam Lipman Stern's time working at a telemarketing company in the early aughts, um, kind of a refuge for scoundrels, a, a place where basically they had no hiring standards and people basically were doing drugs at their desk. Uh, <laughs> All sorts of crazy stuff was happening. Right. Um, and Sam made a friendship with uh, the best of the salesmen, who was also perhaps the worst of the drug abusers at the time. And at a certain point, they began to realize that what they were doing was a uh, ridiculous scam. And they decided that they were going to, in Michael Moore style, bring it down from the inside with documentary camera. And they spent 20 <laughs> years trying to do that. 
<laughs> and whether they did or not is subject to a three-part documentary, but you also probably received a phone call from a telemarketer, say, yesterday during dinner, so you probably know they didn't bring down the industry. Right. Well, it is is spectacularly entertaining and really funny. Um, and it does hit those, you know, that, that like, I'll tell you, um, the, 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 the guy who, uh, uh, the, the, the main guy, um, uh, the salesman who we follow throughout, not, not, not the, the, the actual, uh, the filmmaker himself, but the guy, his partner, um, I can't remember his name now. The, the guy, the guy who reminded me a lot of uh, Bobby Moynihan and drunk uncle, um, <laughs> Uh, but he, that guy, that character, I mean, he's a real dude, but that character is just unbelievable. And the stuff that he does, my favorite stuff in the show, my favorite stuff in the, in, in the documentary was him attempting to be like a serious interview, <laughs> interviewer. <laughs> like he's, and every time they would cut to a reaction shot of him, uh, like during an interview when he's trying to bring somebody down or he's interviewing somebody, you know, of importance of some kind, like he really is taking it so very seriously. Um, and then there's the, like you see this like the way he's living in that really sweet subplot involving his his girlfriend um, who is sick and all that stuff. And it's there's a real sweet side to it. Like this guy's gone up and down. He was in rehab. He was a drug addict and he's going through all these terrible things in his life. And that's all documented as part of this. And it's just this really roller coaster kind of ride that if you didn't know that telemarketing was a scam, and I don't I think most people do, but to the extent with which it is is unbelievable. Um, and the way that this thing is put together is really funny and really uh, en engrossing, you know. Uh, and 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 I I cared about the people that were in there, and I laughed my ass off, and I just thought overall remarkably entertaining and uh, and great stuff all the way through. Yeah, it's a, it's a good story, and the friendship between the two yeah. leads, uh, Sam and Pat. Um, yeah. It's, Pat, it's, yeah, that's that's Pat. It, it's it's very sweet and kind of surprisingly. So given yeah. how kind of rough and tumble the initial scenes at this telemarketing agency, sweatshop, boiler room, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's rough and there's a lot of rough stuff that happens in the documentary. People really are just shooting up and snorting yeah. and whatever, yeah. just, yeah. you know, on camera. Cause and one, guy, one guy's like a murderer. <laughs> the one the one guy who led the city. <laughs> yes. Guy, that guy uh, who was just sitting in his basically sitting in front of a laptop in his house who was convicted of murder is now working for the telemarketing firm. And he, that guy, somebody hangs up to him. He's like, oh, you should die. He's doing stuff like that. I was like, my God. Oh, there are people, there are people in these circumstances who have serious problems. And maybe I would broach the series takes some of them a little bit more lightly yeah. than it should. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but whether or not that bothers you is, is yeah. a matter for personal opinion. Uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a very good show that does, a lot of difficult things where it managed to be kind of adjacent to the, I don't know, the Nathan Fielder and John Wilson yeah. school yeah. of comedy documentary filmmaking. Without question. It is very much also inspired by Michael Moore. It kind of, to some degree, reminds you or makes you appreciate how good Michael Moore was at doing what he did until he stopped being good at it or yeah. stopped caring or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. But like, if you go back to the Roger and me version of Michael Moore, cause that is the version that Sam wants to be. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a, it's a reminder of the fact that he was for a while, right on the edge of being a very good muckraking journalist, Michael Moore. I'm not sure that Sam necessarily is, no, but that's no. part, but that, but that's where part of the joke of the entire <laughs> exactly. thing is. Exactly. And, 
And so I appreciated the effort and, and, and their effort is admirable enough regardless of whether or not they succeed. And also, as you mentioned, that relationship is really, I think the relationship is what carries it. Oh, for sure. The the portrayal of these guys and this guy, Pat is fascinating dude. And who goes through these ups and downs and they're, and they're, you know, you're, you're really interested in this guy's story. Like, man, I hope he makes it. You do, you know, like I was like, man, I hope this guy's okay. You know? Um, so yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And no, I was I was definitely worried about the "I hope he's okay" thing because yeah. it's become kind of a documentary trope in recent years to to slow play or to keep secretive when a tragedy at the root of the story, you know, when they want to use that as a twist, and yeah. and I find it a really obnoxious technique, and I kept yeah. being worried for a long stretch that that was going to be what this was, and I don't, well, I don't care if it's a spoiler. That's yeah. not what this is. Yeah, well, I, I agree with you because, the, the, like, at the end of episode two, they do that. They leave you dangling until the beginning of episode three. You're like, oh, shit, did he die? You know, like, that, that, and I, I think that's and kind I, of unf- I, that, that's good. That's a very Michael Moore thing to do. <laughs> and I think that if I had had to wait a week before, it prob- you know, between two and three, that probably yeah. would have actually annoyed me. The fact that I was able yeah. to just go on to my next episode yeah. saved me from being annoyed. Yeah, I was annoyed. Because I watched the first, <laughs> I watched the first, because I was a week behind on it, because when you, when you reviewed it, it had, the first episode had aired, and the second episode was about to air, so I watched two of them. I watched the first two, and then I had to wait the week. So I was annoyed. But anyway, but it's terrific. <laughs> I, 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 think it's, I still think it's pretty terrific. So telemarketers out there on uh, me. Now, a lot of people are very, very curious about The Walking Dead. Daryl Dixon, uh, Norman Reedus gets his own spinoff, as expected. Um, I stopped watching The Walking Dead, I think, in season three. I was done. I think around that time and I've not watched any of the spinoffs or any of that stuff. I love the first two seasons and completely st- I think I, maybe it was because they let Darabont go. I don't even know if it goes even that far back. I'm not sure, but I stopped he, walking. He I left, stopped- he left before that. So okay. he was, he was one season and done basically. Okay. So. Well, I, I, I'm with it for about, I, the governor stuff is when I stopped watching like right around, I think about halfway through the governor storyline. I was like, I'm done. And I, I, I and I went back to watch, uh, the Nagin character come in with the baseball bat and smash everybody in the head. I watched that episode and then I stopped again. So I'm not, I'm way, so for me to speak on The Walking Dead would be unfair because I'm like three seasons in, and, and I didn't even make it through the third season. I was done and I was not particularly crazy about Norman Reedus on the show anyway. So, but now he gets a spinoff. And, um, so. and if, and if you're not cur- and if you're not a fan of that character, and you know you're not, then yes. probably uh, the Walking Dead Daryl Dixon not going to be for you. No, uh, but- I'm not going to watch it. But I know a lot of my my subscribers and listeners would love to know what you think. So, and and what I'll say about it is that I kept watching uh, Walking Dead significantly longer than you did for mm-hmm. professional reasons, of and course. I've yep. watched each of the spinoffs at least for some stretch. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I've watched all of the. Uh, the last spinoff dead city or whatever it was that only premiered like three months ago. Uh, And then in the other cases I've watched basically what they sent out screeners for. I watched fear of the walking dead for a full season. It was horrible. I hear it got better after that. Oh, well nothing I can do about that. (laughs) Right. Um, But sort of with all of that in mind, uh, walking dead, Daryl Dixon is easily the most I've enjoyed a walking dead franchise entry since the, uh, since, the early run of the original series. Um, mm. It is, it is simultaneously a decent version of the kind of zombie show that the show was when it was good. Um, but it's also more than anything, they filmed it in France and you can tell it is the first 
Walking Dead show really since again, the original that has any sense of location or place and the ability to shoot in the French countryside, to shoot in Paris, to shoot in these old buildings and old churches, it gives it a genuinely unique feeling. It doesn't feel like all of the other Walking Dead shows. And there are little variations in, in the walkers, in the zombies that make them a little bit different. They're a little bit faster. They seem to have, <laughs> they seem to have acid for blood for some reason. It's explained mm. at some point, but anyway, okay. it's, you know, it's a little bit gilding the lily. It's not like you need to reinvent zombies each time. Right. But on the other hand, Greg Nicotero is a, a genius of his type mm -hmm. and they stopped using him for anything that was getting any use out of his genius. Like the, the walkers slash zombies in the last spinoff were dismal. They looked mm. cheap. They weren't scary and there was nothing new about them here. There are some new things about them. Um, and just the setting in France allows it to have a little bit of a different subtext. It doesn't necessarily bring out anything all that different in Daryl as a character. Daryl as a character is always going to be the scruffy lone wolf uh, guy who doesn't like to work with people, who who doesn't like kids, doesn't care about hanging out with women, etc., but can always find his soft side if he needs to. And, yeah. and he went through the exact same arc 20 times on the original, and here it's the same arc. It's also... It's the exact same plot as The Last of Us, because here mm. what they do is they mm. have Daryl Dixon's character transporting a child who might be humanity's potential wow. savior okay. across yeah. France to yeah. a group of survivors. So it's it's identical to the plot yeah. of The Last of Us. Yeah. But... I, I watched six episodes of this with general and consistent entertainment, which oh, cool. I can't say for anything Walking Dead related in in years. So, wow. yeah. So that's good know, news. Absolutely. Good news. Yeah. I, okay, I think cool. that, and also it has already been renewed for a for a second season. I believe it was one of the somewhat confusing AMC shows that just got a waiver to shoot even during the strike. So it's currently, I believe, back to in production. So. So yeah, second season, yeah. and presumably it'll be back next year at some point. Okay, good news for Walking Dead and Daryl Dixon fans in particular. Uh, Indeed. Okay. Uh, read the full review, Hollywood Reporter or the fine print. Uh, also, a documentary about Andy Kaufman um, called Thank You Very Much. Uh, where can people see this? Where, can we see this? What's going on with it? Not yet currently. This was one that premiered, I believe, at both, at both Telluride and uh, Venice. Okay. And it's directed by Andy Braverman, and it is—it's exactly that. It's—it's a—it's probably a too conventional biopic of Andy Kaufman. It, it tries to get to all of the psychological reasons and and personal explanations behind his personality and behind his version of comedy, and so it's a lot of over-explaining someone who I don't think you can probably adequately explain in a 90-minute documentary, but darned mm. if they don't try to over-explain him. But it's, mm. uh, more than anything, what it is, is it's a good chance to watch uh, 90 minutes of Andy Kaufman footage. And and that's really, <laughs> that's really what it is. I didn't buy most of the, well, he had a grandfather who died and his family told him that his grandfather had gone away for vacation, so they lied to him, and thus he spent his whole life blurring fact and fiction. And incidentally, that is absolutely what the documentary claims was the basis of really? everything. 
um, sort of his, his formative primal event was his best friend was his grandfather. He died and they told him he'd basically gone to live to a farm on a farm upstate. And that was something, uh, whether you buy it or not, whatever, but lots of very, very good interviews with people close to him. Uh, Bob Zamuda, obviously there, cause you can't tell an Andy Kaufman story without him. Yep. You get people like, uh, all of the creative uh, team behind taxi telling stories. So uh, James L. Brooks and Jim Burroughs, but also Danny DeVito and Mary Lou Henner all telling uh, Lotka um, and Andy Kaufman stories. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's kind of where it's entirely worth it. I could, I could watch Danny DeVito and Mary Lou Henner being flummoxed by Andy Kaufman 40 years later. I could watch hours of that. So, yeah. Watching ninety minutes of that, sure, why not? Yeah. It's, so yeah, it'll it'll find a place to air though. Okay, yeah, I'm a I'm a big I'm a huge Andy Kaufman fan, and um and I'm very excited to 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 see that uh, when it when it comes out. Um, so you wrote a you wrote a piece, uh, and I love this. You wrote a piece about Bob Barker, which I thought was really uh, lovely and great, and you called him the patron saint of sick days, which I which I I really love that and. Uh, <laughs> Let's let's talk a little bit about uh, what you know your your appreciation for Bob Barker and what Bob Barker meant to television and to the Price is Right and all that stuff. And we lost a legend uh, a couple of weeks ago. We absolutely did, yeah. and it, it's it's one of those things where so somebody television associated passes away, and uh, invariably my editor will say, "You got an appreciation in you," and uh, sometimes. Even if I don't, the answer has to be yes. And sometimes right. the, and sometimes it's one of those things where if you have an appreciation in you, let me know. And this was one where my initial reaction was, no, not not really. I mean, yeah. sure, I loved me some Bob Barker, but whatever. Uh, and then I just kind of got to thinking, and I got to thinking of the specificity of when I experienced the price is right and and how similar it is to so many people where it's not like i watched the price is right every day yeah. but i watched the price is right when i was sick i watched the price is right uh on in-service days when uh there was no school you know it's sort of the the thing that it represented was such a specific thing um, and then, of course, I also got to mention that one of the things I used to do as a small child, because apparently I really, really, really liked The Prices Right Then, is that on weekends, I used to wake my parents up by standing on the foot of the stairs and yelling for them to come on down because they were the next contestant on The Prices Right, <laughs> uh, which I guess was appreciated, I'm sure. Uh, but... But yes, so this is this. So it turned out I actually had a total personal relationship and affection for Bob Barker. And, you know, he's so much of his persona is kind of in some ways like the Alex Trebek persona where where their version of being tolerant is tolerant to a point and then they were perfectly happy to make fun of people. And Bob Barker's exasperation and his mockery when people would mess up the rules of the game yeah. or when people would do ridiculous things or when people would make ridiculous guesses within the game. Mm -hmm. it, it was always a wonderful thing to watch. And then uh, it, it was so central to what's so funny about his role in Happy Gilmore, which is still an extraordinarily funny cameo. It is. Uh, where where it's kind of the, the what would it be like if Bob Barker broke? If there wasn't a camera and, and you just got to watch Bob Barker take off the Bob Barker mask and torment you. Yeah. And 
and I think I think Adam Sandler caught something very primal and correct about Bob Barker in that movie, and mm-hmm. and yeah, just a just just a person who played such a central role in day to day life for so many people. Yeah, it's true. At ninety nine too, that's a great run, and um, and they did uh, they did do a special. Um, I don't. Did you see the special that they did the hour long thing that that uh, Drew Carey hosted? I skipped the special, and then. Uh, because Paramount Plus is such a total garbage streaming platform, uh, it was weirdly hidden on the site. If I don't know if it still is. This is only what it was a week and a half or two weeks ago when they put it up. You could not search for Bob Barker or Bob Barker Tribute and find it on the Paramount Plus site. You had really? to you had to go to Prices Right where they have the regular episodes and it was there as a regular episode of the Prices Right called a tribute to Bob Barker. It was a very wow. strange, but Paramount Plus is really just a garbage streaming platform and yeah. It kind of fits. Yeah. I mean, well, did you end up watching it? No, no. Oh, it, was, okay. it was too hard. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Uh, um, did, did you watch it? And how I did. was it? Of course. Yeah, indeed. I watched it. And it, and it was fine. I mean, they, they just showed a whole bunch of great clips. And, and you know, and then, you know, uh, they had uh, uh, Drew Carey just fill in, you know, like, oh, here's the next clip. And here's this clip. And the clips were great. The clips were a lot of fun. You got to see the very first Plinko that they ever played. And you got nice. to see you know, the very first uh, wheel that they ever spun. And it wasn't, and when they first did it, it wasn't that giant wheel that looks like it weighs 7,000 pounds. It was just a regular regular wheel. Um, so you got to see all that, and you got to see bloopers, and you got to see all that stuff that you just mentioned with Bob Barker, like, reacting to people being idiots in a fantastic way. And at one point, like, during the later years, I, he just started to, like, I, I, I didn't know this, but I was watching it. They showed a whole montage of him just, like, breaking the sets because if something <laughs> didn't work, like he couldn't get the price, the price thing wouldn't flip, so he'd break it or kick it. I was like, what the hell is going on with Bob Parker? So I guess like the few years before he retired, he just started breaking the sets. Like he would. <laughs> I, I mean, the, so the, much of the, so much the, of the sets were the same thing for right. forty years. I imagine things right. were just falling apart left and right. Yeah. On him, so yeah. I mean, like you know, he press a button, it's supposed to fall. Like the you know the the price is supposed to either fall down or flip up or something. Like, if it didn't work, he'd hit that button. It didn't work. He'd go, damn it, and then, like, kick it. Now I was like, what the hell is going on? I didn't know he did. I didn't know he did this. So a little bit of that Happy Gilmore thing started to sneak out in the last couple of years, I guess, before he retired. He just started breaking sets and stuff. <laughs> so they showed that. That was, you know, wildly entertaining. Um, but, yeah. Uh, but I was like, speaking of Paramount Plus, when, when is evil coming back? I mean, they're done, right? I mean, it, they finished it before the strike, correct? I'm not sure nuts? if they. I'm not sure if they finished it as the problem. Like, I know okay. they'd. Retu- I know they'd return to production, but I don't think they'd finished. <sighs> and so I think it's like everything else, just on hold. Basically, yeah. basically, at a certain point, the only thing Paramount Plus is going to have available to come on is more additional Taylor Sheridan shows. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. And Big so. Brother. <laughs> And and Big Brother, uh, I am definitely nearing the end of my rope. Uh, I made it as far as the, um, I don't as, as whatever it was that the Humiliverse unfurled yeah, on them this week. This is just yeah, this week. Sunday, this Sunday's week. episode where basically yeah, everything is farts. They, everything is farts. no, everyone's farts. But then it was everybody had to go to the bathroom right. and they had to right. announce when they were going to the bathroom. Right. And then there was a smell-o-meter that announced right. to everyone. I, right. 
I is a, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, if you put a 10 on the smellometer, everybody's got to wear a gas mask for half a day. Like, what the hell is going on? Um, yeah. Um, I, I will say this, though. I, like I said, I've said before, I'm, I will continue watching it, uh, uh, Dan. We've gotten to the point now where I think the next time we talk, you'll be like, yeah, I'm done. You want to give me an update? You can. <laughs> I, so that's the usual role that I play in this relationship, Dan, is I'm the guy who informs you of, because I will watch Big Brother till the end. Um, but there are there are people on it. There are there are uh, uh, you know people in it. The guests, house guests that I actually really like this season, and I'm and I kind of think are cool, and I'm rooting for them. Who um, at this point do you really like? I like Matt a lot. I'm a fan of Matt. Uh, okay, I, I, I like him. I actually uh, I'm a fan of Mimi for some reason. I think she's like in the background, but I think something's going to happen with her where she's going to step up. I have a feeling about that. And I also like, and I don't, Cece, I mean, she was on Survivor, so I don't know who, she, I, mean, I never watched Surrey. that. So. Yes. Surrey. Okay, I like her a lot. I think her son's an idiot. I think her son's a complete dipshit. Uh, <laughs> and the fact that she has to work with this idiot, like if it wasn't her son, I'd be like, why don't you vote this guy? Get this guy out of the house. So that's frustrating. But I do like them. And I, I still kind of like Jag. I think Jag's a nice guy. Well, that's like just because you want to have a Jag off I, podcast <laughs> with him whenever the show ends. We all know right, this. Yeah, exactly. When he gets cast off, he's like, Jag off. Yeah, I do. I want, I want that. But uh, so there are some people on it I like. I just I like this whole multiverse, humanly verse, the farts and the, you know, like who smelled up the bat, all of that stuff. All of the multiverse stuff is just horseshit. Um, so I find myself getting frustrated with it, but I still I'm still going to watch it. Um, regardless so the the frustration for me is that the thing that i usually in a traditional year use as my excuse to stop watching so that you can just fill me in is that i I, it tends to be when tca press tour kicks in and and at that Uh, point i suddenly miss two weeks and at that point i go well if i've missed two weeks i'll just never be able to catch up again right uh you don't have that excuse this year yeah so Exactly. Um, <laughs> last last week, though, I skipped an episode. I think last week I skipped the PO, the Power of Veto episode just because I didn't care. Also, because before last week, every vote had been unanimous, and yeah. that's just bad TV. There was yeah. just nothing other than other than the way that they successfully orchestrated the Heisem yes. uh, vote off, which was yes. at least very satisfying and yes. well executed and yep. his eyes bulged out of his head and all that. Yep. But yep. it was still an, it was still a unanimous vote. And so yeah. whatever. So there's been too much. of that. I, well, the, the unanimous vote thing I thought was it is always like what? But but the fact that Matt used that uh, that power to save Jag, I enjoyed that. I found that very enjoyable because I can't stand Cam and I don't like Red and Red's out of the house now. And I don't like Cam either. So the sooner those Jagoffs get out of the house, the happier I am. So anyway. Yeah, Cam, Cam definitely. I oh. liked Cam at first and I liked yeah. Cam and Red initially as a as a yeah. duo. Yeah. But Cam became very, uh, has just very quickly became very smug and... Yep. Yep. So not entertaining. And and Red was kind of the opposite. He started suddenly just doing dumb things for yep. no reason. And so I couldn't get behind him. Yeah. And so, yeah. 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 I just, I'm just, uh, I, I if, if that woman didn't have to stick with her son, I'd be like, get this idiot. Because that guy's an idiot. He is a complete he, idiot. He keeps doing dumb things. Yeah. I'm also, I'm also vaguely curious to see if America and Corey are going to be able to find a way to, uh, to yeah. secretly yeah. knock boots. I'm, I can, I yeah. can, I can get, you know, amused by that as a right. concept. Right. Uh, it appears <laughs> that the blue Jared showmance think, yeah, dwindled. It, it, it seems like it. It seems like it. Yeah, I mean, judging by, by what's been going on. I've not been, I will say this, I've not been watching a lot of the live feeds. I watched the, um, 
the whatever the hell it was that when they were standing in the room in the dark. I watched a bunch of that, which was boring <laughs> as hell. Uh, but I've not been watching. I've not been watching the live feeds as much as I used to. So I don't know what that means. But um, yeah, so. that is that is very. It is a sign of maturation, Nick. And I <laughs> is think, that what it I is? Think that is. I, I'm I'm maturing at 58 at this point. I'm exactly finally, okay. I got it. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, it. either either that or it's just not a very good season. But or uh, that or that. It also coincides with the fact that I now have a, a female partner. I now have a, a girlfriend. So maybe I think maybe that has something. To <laughs> And a, that, and a hearty and a hearty <laughs> muzzle tove on both counts. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, I think but you know what? I can't believe that that wasn't even. I was like, yes, I have a woman now, so I have a girlfriend now. So yes, that's why I'm not watching the goddamn feed in the middle of the. In the, middle of the if the, I, I mean honestly, <laughs> if those are your only two options, then you are absolutely making the correct life choice. Oh man, and you know, and you haven't even met my girlfriend, and she's an amazing person. So that's cool. oh, I I have not met your girlfriend, but I am still sure she is better than the Big Brother live feeds. That that is, I don't know if I don't know where the bar is there, I but I, I still say, believe it. She will be thrilled to know that you think she's better than the live feeds of Big Brother. Oh, for sure. <laughs> In all in all respects, I have to assume. Uh, all right, before we get you out of here, I do want to hear your review because I know how much you love Rosario Dawson. I do want to hear your review, <laughs> a quick review of the Star Wars. I can't even pronounce the name of it. What's it called? Ahsoka. Ahsoka. Okay, I don't watch that stuff. But I have a lot of Star Wars fans, and I specifically wanted to mention Rosario Dawson again. <laughs> <sighs> well, I mean, look, we've we've already covered my feelings on Rosario Dawson, and right. and and part and part of that did stem from the fact that I was, I believe, like three hours from being yeah. able to review it on the last podcast. Yeah, it was that's stupid exact- embargoes. I couldn't. No, so. That's how it started because we started talking yeah. about that, and you were like, "I can't talk about this thing," but now you can. So, what do you think of Osaka or Ahsoka? Oh. Or whatever Ahsoka, <laughs> it, and it's unquestionably uh, a show that stars Rosario Dawson, but she is easily the least interesting part of the show. Uh, okay. So that is that is simply the borderline reality. Um, uh. No, ah- Ahsoka is. This is just what I'm getting the sense of from people on the interwebs, and I assume some people have different, you know, different feelings, and that's okay. Uh, that it's designed to be a standalone show. At the same time, it is a live-action continuation of the story in the animated Rebels series. And everything I've heard from people is that people who know these characters, all of them from Rebels, seem to enjoy the show significantly more. To me, that feels like a uh, a problem, but, you know, what do I know? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Rosario Dawson, she's a Jedi. She... Uh, uses two lightsabers and stuff. Uh, a lot of the other people in the show, though, are more exciting. Uh, Natasha Liu uh, Bordizo plays the former apprentice of Rosario Dawson's character. She's really good. And, okay. and she's truly the show, uh, even if it's not her title on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who I love, Me not too. necessarily all that well used, but she's green. Okay. So, That's so there's that. Um <laughs> And uh, I think a lot of the appeal for me, I'm sort of mixed on the show. I don't, I don't hate it, despite yeah. my feelings of general blandness towards <laughs> Rosario Dawson. Uh, but it's uh, Ray Stevenson is in it, and Ray Stevenson is very good in it. And there's mm. so much gravity that he brings to the show naturally, but even more so because he he died uh, 
late spring, early summer. Yeah. So this is going to be kind of the last performance of his for a lot of people. And, mm-hmm. and he's so good. And it's so sad seeing the charisma that he brings to the show and to this character. Uh, it, to, to me, he kind of makes the show worth watching to some degree. Okay. Uh, and then otherwise, you know, unlike Andor, there are, you know, Andor was was kind of a no cuteness zone. It was a, this yeah. is serious Star Wars. This is back to Star Warsy Star Wars. So there okay. are ad- adorable little creatures. There mm-hmm. are, there are droids who do funny things and who speak with British accents and are all prim and proper. You know, it's, it's a lot of the things people yeah. like about star Wars. Yeah. Uh, I wish it was a little bit better at being a standalone series than it is. Unfortunately. Okay. All right. Um, and for all the people who are in the Rosario Dawson fan, <laughs> fan club who listen to the podcast, I don't know. I just find she, it really. I don't know why I find it so fucking amusing that you that you, <laughs> that you feel that way about Rosario Dawson. I don't know. Why. I I don't know. But for the people who are in the fan club, I am. I am a member. A lot. She works okay. a lot. So enjoy. <laughs> I don't right, what have what, the what, I don't have the power <laughs> to make her go away. <laughs> and I'm glad you don't because I like her. All right, cool. Uh, what do you? What have you seen? Are you working on stuff that you can tease us with for the next visit, which will be <sighs> uh, two weeks from uh, today? God, I'm trying to think if we're going to have any need whatsoever to talk yeah. about the third season of Morning Show by the time uh, we uh, get around to our next conversation. I can't say anything at all about it, but okay. my fe- my feelings on the show in general are well established, and I spent yes. ten hours of my weekend watching the new season. So. Oh my God. Okay. So there is uh, that. <laughs> okay. Um, my next thing I need to transition into is Wilderness on Amazon. I, I don't know about that. By the time okay. we talk next, God, what will I be able to talk about? I'll be able to talk about Crapopolis on Fox. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm thing looking that forward exists. to that. I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. I'm um, trying to think maybe by the next time we talk. Uh, let's see. Nope. The embargo will not be up on Gen V, the sequel to, or the prequel rather, or spin-off whatever to the boys uh right. there'll be a lot there'll be a lot of tv there will trust be a lot you of TV me to talk about it. and i'll i'll get you updated on the the latest fart jokes on big brother i uh, can't wait okay great <laughs> all right dan always a pleasure my friend till the next time okay sir. Buddy, see you later all right dan feinberg is the best you know who else is the best esmeralda Lee. esmeralda yeah esmeralda Leon. There's the theme. It's time to talk to Esmeralda Leon, who joins us every single episode to hang out and talk. And here's Esmeralda. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Not bad. You know, it's things. Hey. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yep. Did do anything over the weekend? Anything uh, spectacular or anything? Uh, no, just, you know, hung out with some friends mm-hmm. at uh, a certain point, but uh, nothing, nothing crazy. Did you watch anything uh, crazy on the YouTubes or the Tubies or the Lippies or sl- Smackies? Or what are some of the uh, channels that you, <laughs> that you have? Uh, Tubi. Tubi's Tubi. the big one. Tubi's the yes. big one, right. 
Right. Uh, did you discover, did you discover anything? Any new Jackie Chan uh, motion pictures? No, no, actually. I've been sticking to things that I've kept watching. Mm-hmm. So I just finished watching that British comedy, Plebes. Plebes. Uh, about oh, the, yeah. Yeah, about the guys in the Roman times. Yeah. Um, what did you think? It was good. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, they did five seasons, so I managed to watch all of them. Yeah, you you can do that with British shows because they don't do 97 episodes a season. You know what I mean? The Brits are like, yeah. they're short seasons, you know? Yeah, it's also a good show to just kind of have on and you kind of can watch as you're just doing things or you're just mm-hmm. kind of sitting around. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was funny. It was a good show. Yeah. Um, yeah. It has, it's one of those shows where like you'll be watching it and you'll be like, that person looks familiar. Oh, they're from that TV show because... It was the year that they before they got famous for whatever, and then so you'll see a lot of British actors on there that uh, doing little guest appearances and right. stuff. Right. So spot the Brit. You were playing spot yeah. the Brit. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty yeah. much. Pretty much. Uh, um, I, Julie had had never seen Twenty uh, Fifth Hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and because we saw Last Temptation of Christ, they did a screening of Last Temptation of Christ at uh, the Gene Siskel Film Center over the weekend because they're doing one of the programs that they're doing is movies that were uh, protested or movies that were banned. Um, so they're that's one of the programs that they're doing. And the Last mm-hmm. Temptation of Christ, Last Temptation of Christ was like protested and people went nuts when it came out. Um, uh, you were only like five when it came out, so you don't remember. But it was a it was a big like deal. I, I remember when it opened. In Chicago at the Biograph Theater, there were like a bunch of like Catholics out there with signs protesting. Yeah, um, and uh, you know it was interesting. Uh, but, but I mean, of course, they hadn't seen the movie because it's a very it's it's interesting because having just seen it again, I've seen it a bunch of times, but having just seen it again over the weekend, um, you know, the people bitching about it and protesting about it clearly hadn't seen it because it's got a very positive Christian message at the end <laughs> it really it really does i mean and 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 martin scorsese you know who directed the movie grew up strict catholic house he wanted to be a priest mm-hmm. paul paul schrader who adapted the book by nikos kostanzakis who by the way was a you know was a catholic um but uh, paul schrader is a was born and raised a calvinist so it's like <laughs> so it's like well i think you know these guys have some sort of strong feelings about religion and it's got a very very sort of positive very pro if you're a christian it's got a very pro christian message at the end and all these people protesting clearly hadn't seen it and that's one of the things that's so aggravating you know when people start bitching yeah. about stuff you know it's just like oh what jesus yeah you better not talk bad about him. Yeah. Are you? We're gonna protest anyway. It's like, exactly. oh, all right. <laughs> so they, so they had this. So they, they're doing as part of the Gene Siskel uh, programs because they do such a great job at the Siskel Center, uh, the film center, uh, the Gene Siskel Film Center downtown on um, on State Street, um, as part of the Art Institute. Uh, Rebecca mm-hmm. Fons, by the way, Rebecca is the program director there, and she's a, she does amazing stuff there and programs amazing things, and they're doing a whole bunch of movies that have been banned. And they had a big crowd, and it was like we went on Saturday afternoon at three thirty, and I don't know if you remember, but Saturday was fucking gorgeous out, like it was yeah, yeah unbelievable, yeah. and I was amazed to see people inside on a Saturday afternoon when it's like <laughs> seventy five degrees out and beautiful to watch a three hour movie about Jesus directed by Martin Scorsese. <laughs> so it was a little it was a little strange, um, but the, the Last Temptation. Have you seen the Last Temptation of Christ, Esmeralda? I have not. No. Um, it's a it's a great film, but it really has a lot of similarities. 
believe it or not, to the 25th hour. It's the 25th hour of the Spike Lee movie. Mm-hmm. Um, stylistically, and especially during the last half hour, it's very much like The Last Temptation of Christ, 25th hour is. And so Julie mm-hmm. had never seen it. She had never seen it. And since it's yesterday was September 11th and, you know, the weekend coming up, I always watch 25th hour around this time because it's, you know, you've seen it. It's an incredibly powerful mm-hmm. movie about the scars that were left on the city after that event. You know, when the movie came out, it was shot six, seven months after the attacks. Yeah. Um, and there are scenes that take place at Ground Zero in 25th Hour. In fact, Barry Pepper's character has an apartment overlooking Ground Zero in the movie. And and the movie is, it's 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 seeped in that kind of feel of that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the opening credits uh, of the movie of 25th Hour are images of the two spotlights that they put up. Uh, the two giant spotlights that they put up at that time, you know, where the where World Trade Center was, and that's those are the opening credits are that. So it it it, it overrides the entire movie. So we watched it, and she had never seen it before, um, and was blown away by it, obviously. But man, you know, your boy is so good in that. He's so of good. Of course. At it. Oh my god. Of course he is. <laughs> <laughs> and we were discussing um, first roles again uh, uh, julie and i were um like because mm-hmm. it's astonishing to me and we've talked about this before and I, and people who might not be regulars uh know that edward norton is your boy that's your that's your that's your celebrity crush is it? one of yes them. yeah yes one of them <laughs> one of them you know we all have more than one you know um uh and and it was uh, primal fear that that did it for you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and we were discussing how, you know, Julie and I were discussing how that was his first movie and and talking about other, like, people whose movie debuts were just astonishing. And that's amazing that that was his first movie. Like, what? You know, like, right out of the gate. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he got nominated he for did. an Oscar. He did, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I and- was mind-blown when... <laughs> watch the the ending of that movie is just it's yeah. still amazing to me it, it is it is and he's great in it and and but we, that that got us on the discussion of some of the other people like like uh um so that so people who might not know edward norton's first role was primal fear and that's not bad you mm. know what i mean it's a pretty no, good start no pretty good start right there um but but the first role uh we i think we've talked about this before alan rickman's first movie ever was die hard like he, right? Like right out of the fucking what, gate, he, yeah. he played Hans Gruber. Would not, like, <laughs> yeah, I would not have guessed that. I would no. have thought, oh yeah, no, he's done yeah. a bunch of other things and yeah. this and that. No, he was just he was a stage he was a he was a stage actor until then. He had only done stage, and his first movie role. I mean, can you imagine that? Like out of the gate, you play what is arguably the best villain in action movie history. You know, like. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Well, that's that's you know that's to his talents too. That yeah. right out the gate, he is able to do that. Yeah. Because you know he probably, I wouldn't think, I'm I'm sure, most actors don't think like, oh my God, this is gonna put me on the map. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of actors are just like, no, this is a great role. It's gonna be fun. Whatever. I'm gonna make my money. Yeah. Blah blah blah. But yeah. To yeah. then be on, to be known on lists and, and anytime this topic comes up and just to be recognized like that, I, I'm sure was fun for him. Yeah. 
it, the, I mean, first time out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's no, it's it's really incredible uh, uh, when you think about it. And then there were other like uh, first movie, because I mean, but I think that one takes the cake. I really, I have to say, I mean, Edward Norton again, incredible. But I got to say, mm-hmm. I think Alan Rickman in Die Hard. That's like, what the fuck? Seriously, that was his first movie. That's yeah. a big one. That's a big one. Um, oh, wait a minute. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Hi, Carrie. Oh, she's wearing a she's wearing a Hans Gruber T-shirt. Oh, wow. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Yeah, I know you do, baby. All what right. was Carrie's first movie? Uh, wow. Well, that's a good, it's a good question. What was Carrie's first movie? <laughs> it's a good question because you know she started out like many. Uh, of these popular stars now she started out as a kid she was on the mickey mouse thing like the reboot oh, okay so she was oh so she's been in it yeah yeah she a was like a now. kid and she did like uh, a couple of nickelodeon shows she did some very she did stuff as a kid before mm-hmm. like landing felicity which was like the first role that got her you know a lot of press and a lot of uh attention but she had done. I don't. I don't know what her first movie role was. Um, uh, according to IMDb, it was uh, "Honey, I Shrunk the Kid." Or no, I'm sorry, "Honey, I Blew Up the Kid." Oh, so she was in the sequel. <laughs> she was in "Honey, I Blew Up the Kid." So she was in the sequel. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, that's pretty amazing. That's pretty. That's pretty. That's pretty good. But but here's here are a few. Are you ready for a few more first roles? Mm-hmm. Okay, Jason Schwartzman's first movie was Rushmore. Really? Okay. Yeah, isn't that? I mean, that's huh. pretty amazing, right? Because uh, he's does he he's, like is he anybody? Well, in the yeah, sense he's of like is it, he well, are his parents somebody's yeah. nepo baby or yeah he <laughs> he is uh, Francis Coppola's nephew. Oh, uh, Okay, uh, and he's related. So to kind Sophia of amazing Coppola. that that it it was that. Yeah. Yeah, he Just was. He's re- you know, he's related been to in more stuff. He's related to Roman Coppola, who who is a co-writer often on Wes Anderson's movies. He's related to Sophia Francis and Nicolas Cage. So he comes from that mm. clan. He comes from that oh, okay. clan. So, but yeah, but that's but that's a hell of a first role, you know. Yeah. Um, how about this? Anya Taylor Joy's first movie was The Witch. Mm, okay. Yeah, and uh, and she was phenomenal in that. Just amazing. Um. Malcolm McDowell's first movie was If, um, which is a great movie, that, a, a, a crazy sort of rebellious British movie uh, that he made with Lindsay Anderson. And uh, it was part of this like um, rebel British trilogy that he did. He was young when he made that movie. Mm-hmm. He was like, he like, if you go back and you look at Malcolm McDowell, like if you, if you were to like Google Malcolm McDowell and If, he looks like he's 12. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's got that kind of face. Yeah. When he was younger, that he is, he was, he had a very young face for a while. How about this one? Lupita Nyong'o uh, won an Oscar for her first role, uh, Twelve Years a Slave. Oh wow! Yeah, won an Oscar for that role. That was so right out of the gate. She, that's her first role. She wins an Oscar. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I every time I see Lupita Nyong'o, every time I see her, uh, I, I'm just, I'm all, I'm often. The, my breath is taken away by how fucking beautiful she is. Like she's an astonishingly beautiful woman. Like like breathtaking. Like every time I see her, I'm just yeah. Mike Jesus Christ. I fall off furniture. <laughs> like when I see her, she's incredible. Um, all right, uh, let's see. Hold on a second. Oh shit! Now I lost it. Jamie Bell. 
Uh-huh. Uh, oh, yeah. From uh, the dance, I'm going to dance because I'm Billy Elliot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Was um, that his first movie? Yeah, that was his first movie. Um, oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, he, uh, no, that was, a, I, and then they made the, they made a, um, they, they made, made a musical. The, a Broadway musical out of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was a big one. That was a big one. Uh, Dav, Dev Patel, his first movie was Slumdog. Oh yeah, Slumdog Millionaire. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's pretty that's pretty Goodness. impressive. How about uh, let's see? So we've got uh, uh, we got the Jamie Bell from uh, then uh, Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall's first role uh, to Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, he, he played Boo Radley in uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Interesting. Um, uh, Richard E. Grant's first movie was With Nail and I. Have you ever seen uh, With Nail and I? I have not. It's a movie. You know, you have uh, friends who are actors, Esmeralda, as, as you know. Um, mm-hmm. If you were to act, ask an actor uh, what one of their favorite movies about acting is, I guarantee you that With Nail and I would be one of them. Um, Got it. Because it's about acting and he's fucking great in it. He's great. Yeah. How about this one? Haley Steinfeld, who I love. And by the way, you know, now you, I'm sure you know this because you're much hipper than I am, and I'm just an old man yelling all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I am just an old man trying to get some wedges. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know that Haley Steinfeld now is like a, she's like a hot, like music pop star chick. Yeah, I've noticed that. I, I was like, when did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> but I guess now that she's, I don't, I mean, I'm sure she's still. I yeah, she. Know. Yeah, no, she's the last asked. time she was in anything. She, well, I mean, she did the voice for. Uh, she's in. She's one of the voices. The uh, what I can't remember who the female lead is in Spider Man, the female character. But she did the Spider Verse movie, the last animated Spider Verse. Oh, okay. She was oh, the lead. Yeah. In, she was the lead voice ah. in that. And she was in Bumblebee, one of the last like uh, the one of the only good Transformer movies. She was in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but I always, I mean, Edge of Seventeen. You know, to me, that's like her definitive. She's amazing in that movie. But her first movie was True Grit with, uh, with Jeff Bridges. Oh, wow. Okay. She got an Oscar nomination for that. Dang. How about Brad Dorif? Brad Dorif's first movie was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He played, uh, played Billy Bibbit in uh, One Flew Over yeah. the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, and he's amazing, Brad Dorif. And a cool guy. I've met him. Um, he came to Flashback because he's, uh, he's in many horror movies, you know, Exorcist mm-hmm. 3. And, and, but he also, like, he's the voice of Chucky. Oh really? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the voice of Chucky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brad Dorf's voice. And by the way, um, Julie is going to the to the Horrorthon drive-in with me this weekend. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I you know, like her friends are like, "Why are you dating this guy? What the fuck is wrong with you?" Like we're go- we're, <laughs> we're going to this drive-in. We're seeing four horror movies, and and she's like, not she does not enjoy Chucky. Like it freaks her out. Yeah. And the first movie uh, of the night Saturday is Chucky is Child's Play. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so. It's it's. It's very like watching it now. You're just like, oh, yeah. It's a doll. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I don't, I, I don't get freaked out by that. I mean, yeah. those older ones like that, I don't. Yeah, more she doesn't. Fun to me. Yeah, I mean, she and I, I guarantee you, because she's like freaked out. She's freaked out now, but I guarantee you, like a half an hour into the movie, she's like, "What the fuck would I be? What? Why am I freaked out? You know what I mean? Like she'll be over it in two seconds. While we're out yeah, there. but it's fun to watch, but it's you know, it's not. It doesn't yeah. have the same effect as it did, I'm sure. No, especially uh, if you're a kid. Back when it if, came out. 
If yeah. you're if you're a kid, I mean, the movie came out in 1988, so it's old, you know. Right. And, um, I mean, it's like Jaws, you know. Yeah. Like nobody's like, I can't take a shower now. It's like, no, right. we realize sharks can't be in your tub, but okay. Right. Right. <laughs> um. So 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 we're going to that. But the other movies are uh, it's Child's Play and then uh, Return of the Living Dead, which was the punk rock zombie movie from the 80s. Mm. Which is mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, uh, Slumber Party Massacre. Oh. Uh, and then the fourth one, of course, is Frankenhooker, where uh, oh my god, a guy yeah, makes yeah no yeah okay you know Frankenhooker that's um, on that's on a lot um, on Pluto TV oh it it's is is it really it's on <laughs> yeah. Pluto it's on, it's it's a lot it's on Pluto TV on a regular basis really yeah they have a cult classics channel oh, that okay. they kind of yeah Frankenhooker is a <laughs> steady it's funny because Julie Julie's like telling her friends and her sisters and stuff yeah Nick you know Nick Nick and I are dating and blah 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 and then uh, we're going to the drive-in and then like and they're like why and then she's naming off the movies and by the time she gets to Frankenhooker she's like her friends are like why are you with this guy what the fuck is wrong with you like, <laughs> Because you know we're going to see Frankenhooker, but but yeah, so but Brad Dorff, his first movie was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest again, Oscar nomination. It's um, great, yeah. He is yeah. amazing. Yeah. In that he's, yeah, I feel he's, he he really brought out the feels for me. I mean yeah. that whole movie you you do, but right. like he in particular. Right. Yeah, no, he's great. I mean, he's like the he's kind of the heart and soul of it, you know. Uh, besides mm-hmm. besides Nicholson's character, but he's kind of like of the inmates that he that he's with he's clearly the most yeah. memor- of the mo- most memorable and the most emotional of the inmates that yeah. he's with in that, in that movie. Yeah, yeah. And that's a great. I mean that's a great movie all the way around. You know. Um all right, how about Tatum O'Neill in Paper Moon? Oh wow. Oh yeah, yeah cuz she's, you know, she's a small child. She's and she's Ryan O'Neill's daughter and he was the star. Yeah. Um and she if I remember correctly, she not only got an Oscar nomination, she won an Oscar for that. So like Lapita, like Lapita, she won the Academy Award her first right out of the gate. Yeah, damn. Yeah, look how about that. Uh, Frances McDormand, Blood Simple, was her first movie. Uh, the Coen Brothers' first movie. Yeah, um, I yeah. haven't, uh, I haven't seen that one. That's a fucked up movie, Esmeralda. It's tra- <laughs> it's it's pretty. It's right out of the gate, weird ass Coen Brothers. Like, well, I mean, all yeah. the movies. Well, all that makes sense. Movies. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Frances McDormand in that, and that was her very first movie, and uh, she's fantastic. And then number one on this list, I'm looking at the list right now. Number one on the list is best film debuts of all time, of course, Alan Rickman and Die Hard. Because mm-hmm. I mean, that's the one, man. You know, I mean, jeez. So, um, but uh, is there another one here? We got Anya Taylor Joy in The Witch, Matthew McConaughey's first movie. You know what? Uh, you know what his movie, his first movie was, right? Uh, was it Dazed and Confused? Yeah. All right, all nice. right, all right. That was his first movie. That's, and that's a good one. So those are some great uh, great debuts. Uh, how about this one? Kirsten Dunst. Remember her first movie? Um, was it Interview? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Interview with a Vampire, yeah. Wow, I thought she'd done something else, but... They interviewed That's her when cool. she was when when the movie was because she I don't know she was like eleven or something when she made that movie. Yeah, she's pretty small. Uh, she's so good in it though. I love that movie. Um, but I remember when she was little and they interviewed her. She has a scene where she has to kiss Brad Pitt, and she was like, it yeah. was She was like, it was gross because she was eleven. She's like, he's a grown up. It's yeah. weird. I don't want to kiss. I don't want to. I don't want to kiss him. Why would I kiss him? <laughs> Which I'm glad at least she recognizes, like, I am a child. Yeah. 
She is a child, exactly. But yeah, she kissed Brad Pitt, and she was grossed out by it. And like, you know, and everybody in that movie's hot. You know what I mean? Like all the guys yeah. in that movie, because you got Tom Cruise as Lestat, you know, and he's hot in it, and Brad Pitt, and Ben Dejas is in it. Uh, yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, and and uh, Christian uh, Slater. It's like all hunk boys are in that. Yeah, everyone has long hair. They all Christian, all, like yeah. They're all beautiful. I mean, Jesus. which makes me, which makes me realize they all had that hair when they got turned because you can't. <laughs> uh, at least in this universe, you cannot. Uh, you have to have, yeah, change. You, have to, you have to have fabulous hair in order to be turned. So they had amazing <laughs> hair when they got turned. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Anne Rice. That's. I think those are the rules that Anne Rice established in her books. Is like, in order yeah. to be turned into a vampire, you have to have really fabulous hair. <laughs> Yeah, no, I just remember I saw that movie with my first uh, with, with my first wife, and mm-hmm. she was like, "Ooh!" Like every time somebody came on screen. Like, oh, by the way, you know what movie uh, I, I I turned Julie on to the other night that she'd never seen before? Yeah, uh, Keanu. She had never seen Keanu. Uh, oh, Keanu. really? Yeah, <laughs> because I kept going like we were like we were cooking in the kitchen, and I was going, "Oh!" Like when we when some, and, and she's and, and I'm like, you know, Esmeralda and I used to do that all the time on the show. Um, remember when, when, uh, Keanu came out Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. uh, and the dude, I can't remember the actor's name who played easy E and straight out of Compton. And when they walk in, you know what I'm talking about? You walk into the bar mm-hmm. and, and, and like, uh, Keegan, Michael Key says something very inappropriate. And, uh, and his response was, Oh, and remember we were saying that <laughs> all the time. Yeah. 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 And so she was laughing like, what is that from? And I'm like, it's from Keanu. And she's like, let's watch it. And she just did not get it. She was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Like all the references and all the stuff, she was like, "What?" I mean, she thought it was funny, but like, wow, that was because I was laughing my ass off, and she was like, "Wow, you're laughing yeah. pretty hard at that one." <laughs> but yeah, but oh, and that movie, by the way, still holds up. Keanu's still funny as as hell, and the nice. cat's a, and the cat's adorable. Oh my god! Oh cat. yeah, really of course. Getting adorable. How about this Sigourney Weaver's first movie, Alien? Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Ridley Damn. Scott discovered her. One of the few things Ridley Scott done has done that doesn't suck ass. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but Sigourney Weaver, first movie in Alien. That's so, wow. Yeah, that was her first movie. Whoopi Goldberg's first movie. Do you know what Whoopi Goldberg's first movie was? Um, damn. It's no. a big one. And again, Oscar nomination. Is it Color Purple? Yeah, Color Purple was her really? first movie. Really? Yeah. What in the? <laughs> yeah, she had been a she had been a um a really acclaimed uh you know, uh, um, star on stage. Oh, um, okay. She, she did a lot of one, she did a lot of one person shows and she did a lot of different characters and, and a lot of character work and stuff on stage. Mm-hmm. And that's what she was known for. And then like out of the, you know, Spielberg caster in, in the color purple was her very first movie. She had done like off, off, off Broadway, one woman shows like in really little shitty spaces in lower Manhattan. Um, until she worked up and got because so popular that she hit Broadway with her one woman show. It's very similar to the kind of stuff that Lily Tomlin used to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then she became like a sensation on on stage in New York, and then that's how she got the part. But her first movie was Color Purple. Interesting, isn't that crazy? Wow. Like right out of the gate. Damn. Yeah, like I don't know who's who's if you find out about it or if they just got picked up. Uh, well, by the it, the directors, but like, dang, yeah, to to get that as your 
you know, first thing out. For most yeah. of these people, I'm just like, oh my goodness. Because usually, I mean, isn't the thing that like you're supposed to be in like just shitty movies or yep. you just have little bit parts and just whatever movies. And yep. these actors are just in amazing Oscar nominated performances. It's like, yeah. wow. Yeah, it's like it's like, you know, you're supposed to struggle, you know, and, and, and I, right. think, I, I think some actors and actresses who read these stories are like, well, fuck you. I worked for 15 years doing nothing and waiting yeah. tables, waiting tables on assholes, you know, and then or I was like in a million movies, but like tiny little bit shit parts or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. just stupid movies that like it's, you know, I'm paying the bills. <laughs> right. I was trying to remember like Brad Pitt's first movie. Speaking of Brad Pitt and how beautiful he was in that goddamn yeah. vampire movie. He's, I mean, he was in he so was in many, a... like, because he was in Thelma and Louise. Well, that was like the breakout role. That but was that's like what I mean. Like, yeah. he was in like little, little bit parts. And he had some shit movies. He was in some shit. Like, he was in like, uh, like some. Was he in I... Tomatoes? No, no, no. That's Clooney. That's George Clooney. Oh, that's Clooney. <laughs> yeah, Clooney was in Return See, of the Killer. Another one. Yeah. Who's yeah. yeah. And he I was don't on. Think he's been nominated, um, has he? Oh, what was that show with Tootie and uh, 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 what the fuck was uh, it? Uh, Facts of Life. Did, yeah. He he was on Facts of Life with a mullet. Like if you if you looked up like if you were to Google George Clooney Facts of Life, enjoy the hair because his yeah. he, he's got some serious mullet action going on. Uh, but yeah, no, Brad Pitt was in a bunch of like really, and he was also in like a Pringles commercial. Mm. Um, like uh, if you look up like Brad Pitt, like early stuff, like if you look, I, I think it's a Pringles commercial where it's like, he's, yeah. he's like a surfer and he's like, yeah, man, I'm going to surf. I'm going to eat my Pringles while I'm surfing. You know, like uh, <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Yes. Well, it's in the can. It's safe. You know, uh, right. Yeah. You can sealed, hold it. The can seals up. It's waterproof. You can, <laughs> you can. You can just set it down on your surfboard. (laughs) Yeah, right on the end while you're hanging five. You got your you got your uh, barbecue. Yeah, Yeah. but he was in. uh, You know, I mean, all these people like they have to cut their teeth on doing commercials and stuff. And um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when I did the when I did the Q and A with uh, uh, Jamie Kennedy and Skeet Ulrich Mm -hmm. from Scream, who by the way, uh, Skeet Ulrich is still fucking beautiful. You're speaking beautiful, yeah. man. No, oh. I, I, when I was at Flashback, I just specifically wasn't walked he, around a couple I mean, times. Wasn't he just like just look to at look him. at him? God damn. <laughs> anyway, like uh, we talked about, like um, how they got the role in Scream. You know how they each got the roles, mm-hmm. and and Jamie Kennedy was like, "Well, I didn't have any credits." That's my Jamie Kennedy, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and and, uh, and he's, like, he's like, uh, "I did a Rallies commercial, you know, Rallies Burger commercial." Yeah. And evidently his line, he was a kid, and evidently his line was, damn, that's a big-ass burger. That was, wow. <laughs> that was his line. And Skeet, right. Skeet is like, wait a minute, you swore twice in the commercial and you were a kid? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it became like a running gag during the entire 40-minute panel, the Q&A, because mm-hmm. that was right at the top because I asked him what they do. And then that became like the running gag. We just kept saying, every time somebody would say something, we would just go, Damn. That's a big ass whatever we would add to it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like he told a story, Jamie Kennedy told a story about how he had a hemorrhoid while he was shooting Malibu's Most Wanted. <laughs> he told this ridiculous story about how Terry Crews is beating his ass in one scene. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and I was in a lot of pain because I had a hemorrhoid. And he kept telling the story about <laughs> how he had a hemorrhoid. <laughs> and then, and then Skidoros goes, damn, that's a big ass hemorrhoid. You know, and it was, and that was the thing that happened. But yeah. yeah, so he's doing, he was doing rally commercials when he was, when he was a kid. 
And go back and see some of these, some of the famous people doing those commercials. You, how about this? You remember this one? I think we've talked about this one before, Esmeralda. Jason Alexander doing the McDLT commercial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he and he ha- has hair. He has hair and he's <laughs> dancing. And he's like singing and dancing about the McDLT. <laughs> Ridiculous. Ridiculous. But yeah, first yeah. roles right out of the gate, man. Doing, doing incredible first roles. Nuts. Incredible. Hey, uh, hey, uh, are you getting are you getting ready to get back on stage at uh, at Zany's Esmeralda? Are you getting excited about that? Oh my goodness, yes! It's it's, it's we took the summer off, mm-hmm. um, but we are back, and and we want everybody to come out. It's going to be on Tuesday, October twenty fourth at uh, Zany's in Rosemont. It is this very podcast live. We want you to be there. It's interactive. We have so much fun. The audience always has a great time, Esmeralda. You know. Oh yeah, for sure. And we, we, talk. we try to make it an interactive experience. Exactly. Like, we'll talk to you guys, and we interact, and we have fun, and big laughs, and we give stuff away. I'll do some trivia. We'll have some dinners for Gale Street Inn to give away. We've got some gift cards, so you can get all your electronics uh, uh, needs at Apt Electronics. We'll have a magic bullhorn to give away. Um, and I'm very excited, because one of our, our special guest that night is one of, our, one of our good friends from the car wash mm-hmm. um, from back in the day. Andrea Darlis is uh, is going to join us on stage, and I'm very excited. Andrea Andrea is very excited to do it. Andrea spent many, 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 many years at uh, WGN um, as a news person, um, as a co-host on a bunch of shows, and uh, worked with Steve Cochran on the morning show. And she now works with Steve Cochran. Uh, she fills in uh, from time to time on the Steve Cochran show on WLS, and she's got her own podcasts mm-hmm. on WLS. And, um, you know, she's been on TV and all kinds of cool stuff. So Andrea is going to be our special guest. It'll be fun to talk to her. Very nice. Yeah. My dad's going to come up and tell some jokes, as he often does, as he's going to do in just a a few moments, actually. He's going to be coming in. But it's going to be on Tuesday, October 24th. And you and I have to get together and and go get some weird candy, right? Mm Mm-hmm. We got to do that. Let's do that. And make sure that we have some weird Halloween candy. And we'll talk about scary stuff. And, um, you know, um, as we've often done in the past, you can tell... You can tell your story about Pet Cemetery, which is one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can tell that one live in front of our crowd. And it'll be great. So you should get your tickets now because it's a fun experience and everybody has a great time. And I, you know, I want to thank Tr- Chris and Alex and everybody at, at, uh, at Zany's. They're so nice out there. The wait staff and everybody. Oh, yeah. Everyone's so great. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it's great. And so we're going to be back there. Me, Esmeralda on stage. We're going to be making you laugh. You're going to be a part of it, part of the recording. Uh, Andrea Darlis is going to be on stage with us. My dad's going to tell a joke. We'll give away a bunch of stuff. It's just going to be a great, great time. We want to pack the place. Um, and so it's Tuesday, October 24th, Zanies in Rosemont. Doors open at 630. The show is at 730. You can get your tickets at rosemont.zanies.com. rosemont.zanies.com. Look for the Nick D podcast live Tuesday, October 24th. If you want to call the box office with any questions or you want to make your reservations there, you can call the Rosemont Zanies box office at 847-813-0484. That's 847-813-0484. Andrea Darlis live on stage with me and Esmeralda, my dad telling jokes. Interactive fun, prizes, hilarious, all part of a live recording. The Nick D Podcast live Tuesday, October 24th. Zanies in Rosemont. Rosemont.zanies.com to get your tickets. I'm looking forward to it. It's been it's been a long time since we've been back there. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah. So it'll be uh It'll be good. It'll be good. So we'll have to, I, I don't know. Uh, should we encourage people to show up in costume? Would that be too much, maybe? <laughs> um, I mean, if people are going to, they're going to. Yeah. <laughs> you know we what I mean? We can't stop them. We can't stop them. So Yeah, uh, the, the kind of people who want to wear a costume are mm-hmm. going to wear a costume. They're go- exactly. <laughs> no, you're right. You're absolutely right. You're right. It'd be like, yeah, yeah. man. 
So anyway, um, so if you'd like to, yeah, go sure. Ahead. Go ahead. Some people can come. Maybe somebody can come dressed as and gentlemen. Michael Bolton. You think? It, you oh, think anybody? Oh my would... goodness! <laughs> now the could question you imagine is, if we could get him to come out. If, yeah, well, we'll have to ask him. You he, know, I, we've if, been. You know... Yeah, go ahead. I'm just. We've been following him. You know. Yeah. yeah. You'd think he'd do us a favor, but yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> He's an ungrateful bastard. Yeah, you know he's gonna be in he's gonna be in York. Remember, so oh, he's that's gonna right. probably be sleeping off some kind of York peppermint patty hangover. That's right. Way too many York peppermint patties. He's gonna uh, have a he's gonna have a sore tummy from eating all that candy. <laughs> way ahead of time. Yeah, exactly. Well, maybe Michael Bolton. Uh, will, we don't know if he's gonna show up. Now the question is, if people are gonna come dressed as Michael Bolton. Yeah. Is it hair Bolton or short hair Bolton? That's the oh, question. Oh, you got to do hair Bolton. Yeah. Like, why would you do short hair? No one's going to know. Yeah. <laughs> you got to do you hair gotta, Bolton. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. There's no reason to do short hair. He, by the way, he no never, one's going to get it. It's funny. You know, when you and I are hanging out with him, um, he never listens to our suggestion that he needs to grow the, the mullet back, that he needs to grow the bullet back. He just dismisses Right. Us. I mean, mullets are big. Again, yeah. he yeah. should do it, but you know, whatever. Yeah, whatever he doesn't listen you want. to us. We, I mean, we only I mean, follow the we only follow the fucking guy around the planet, so you know. Yeah, who knows if he can even grow it? I'm Ooh. gonna, I'm gonna, yeah. That sounds I'm like a maybe challenge. Next time we see him, that sounds like a challenge, Esmeralda. I don't know. Yeah, when we see him in a couple of days in Greece, <laughs> I think I'm gonna bring it up. <laughs> you might wanna, yeah. I don't be think like you, you don't want to grow that because you can't, can Ooh. you? And then he's gonna get pissed. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, well we'll gonna, be in Greece. It's fine. It'll be in Greece. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna grow it as soon as I have my 27th York peppermint patty of the hour. It's like okay, Michael. Okay. <laughs> All right, Michael Bolton. And gentlemen, Michael Bolton. All right. Well, if you want to come dressed as Michael Bolton, uh, yeah, we... please do it with the hair. <laughs> I don't want to see. I don't want to see short hair Michael Bolton. No point. I'm trying to. Is Michael Bolton's first movie role? What was Michael Bolton's first movie role? Now I know he's in Popstar. Uh, it's got to be. He had I to be in something before Popstar. He had to be. I didn't um, know he was in movies. I don't think I've well, ever seen in, one. He's in Popstar, for sure. Because, um, because like, I don't know if you remember, but the Lonely Island guys kind of revived his career. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because he, if I remember correctly, he played the saxophone dude from the Lost Boys. You remember the saxophone dude who was with uh, Tina Turner, the shirtless saxophone guy who's in all the 80s videos with the long hair? You remember uh, that guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 Michael Bolton played him in one of the Lonely Island Andy Samberg videos. Oh, also. okay. And then That's he did fun. like the, the Michael Bolton. Then they had a whole video that was dedicated to Michael Bolton, and it was hilarious. Oh, and wow. He got some hipster cred for that. You know, mm. yeah, yeah, and then he was—he's in, in pop star. Uh, uh, the he is in at least his IMDb. The first yeah, thing he's in is Meet Wally Sparks. Uh. <laughs> everything, everything before that is a music video that he's done. <laughs> but is a movie, he, movie—is he himself? Does he play himself? Yes, he's he himself. does. Holy shit! I don't remember. I have to say, I don't remember Meet Wally Sparks. I've seen it it's, for people. Who... It seems like he's always himself. So. Yeah, I can't see him doing anything else. Yeah, but he's—I um, I totally forgot. My, me, for people who might not know, Meet Wally Sparks is a latter-day uh, Rodney Dangerfield movie uh, that he made late in his career. Yeah, 
He made late in his career. I totally forgot that that uh, he's in Wally Wally Sparks. Yeah, because uh, he's pretty much just in music videos. Yeah, yeah, okay, all right. But meet Wally Sparks. And then he'll do, and he's done. Um, he'll do little. Uh, what do you call it? Cameos. Cameos. He yeah. does. He's been doing cameos. Mm-hmm. So he did, and and it was in TV shows. So he's done Two and a Half Men. Uh, he did the nanny, <laughs> the Larry Sanders show. Yeah. So yeah, he doesn't. He hasn't really. Yeah, he I want him had to... an acting. Well, he had okay. So he was, I guess, recently he was in Aquafina in the North. Oh, Queens. oh my God, that's right. I told, we talked about that, and he didn't play Michael Bolton. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like he the he, only he, one really. Yeah, he was in Aquafina. Is, is Nora from Queens? He played uh, somebody who worked at Guitar Center. With uh, B.D. Wong. That's right. He was like a co-worker. That's right. Yeah. Wow. He really hasn't done anything. So. Yeah. Goodness. Good for him. He. And, and he wasn't. He finally Michael... got him to play a character. Yeah. And he wasn't Michael Bolton in that. That's right. He played somebody else. God, and he was fucking hilarious on it. I mean, that show wow. is hilarious. That show is hilarious. Um, God, I just saw the trailer for a movie with Aquafina and Sandra Oh. Yeah, and I almost pissed uh, myself laughing, and I can't because I love <laughs> I love both of them. I love them both so much, but I love Aquafina. She's like one of my favorite people in the world. I think she's so fucking funny, but I can't remember the name of it now. I, I feel like a dick, but it's her and Sandra Oh. Yeah, and looks, I just saw the trailer for it. As you saw well. the trailer for it too, right? Yeah, God, it looks so funny. Um, yeah, it looks good. Oh, it's called Quiz Lady. Oh, that's right. When she goes on the quiz, that's right. Aquafina goes on the quiz show, yes. hosted by Will Ferrell. That's right. That's right. That's going to be the best movie ever made. That's going to be the best. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Okay. Quiz quiz Lady. I can't wait to see that. See, now Michael Bolton would fit right into that movie, I think. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it doesn't say in his IMDb, but. He might show up. Yeah. I mean, maybe he he has a secret. Yeah. I mean, he did. secret cameo. He did her TV show. I mean, why not? You know, he was in the Aquafina TV show. Yeah. So, anyway. Uh, uh oh, wait a hold, hold on a second. Wait, uh, hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and hi, Carrie. I love Nick's show. Hi, Carrie. Oh, Carrie, like uh, Carrie likes Aquafina as well. She thinks she's, he, she's oh, good, very, very good. Uh oh, I think my dad is here to tell a joke, Esmeralda. Oh, are you ready? Get out of the way, Carrie. Get out, Carrie. Get out of the way. I love hi, you. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, I know, and I, know. I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. All right, here we go. Oh, it's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go with your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Oh, yes! Here we go! Yeah. So there it is. My dad tells a joke every uh, Tuesday on the podcast. Are you ready, Esmeralda? Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. What did the magician name his twin daughters? Anna one, Anna two. Now, what did the musician uh, name is? And a one and a two. That was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, well, I mean, I, that's what, cleaner. It is. It's clear. Yeah, he did not go blue on this one. He, he, uh-huh. he, the la, the uh-huh. last joke he told was about dyeing your wiener a different color. That was a, so that. Right. 
was his last joke. But he'll go blue on the 24th of October, Esmeralda. Oh, nice. As you know. I mean, you I, know, it's fun. Yeah. It's, and you know what? It's an, uh, you, we are at a grown-up comedy club. Exactly. So I expect him to exactly. go blue. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, Dad, you can go blue at Zany's, man. I mean, you, 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 you know. You can work blue. So we don't know, but my dad steals the show. Every time we've done one of these, the highlight oh, yeah. has always been my dad. So my dad's going to come up and tell the jokes. If you like my dad's jokes every Tuesday, you can see it live as part of the Nick D Podcast live at Zany's in Rosemont on Tuesday, October 24th. Andrea Darlis from WLS and podcast host and TV person and awesome uh, uh, car wash uh, uh, you know, victim. <laughs> Is that how that's, I think that's how we kind of refer to ourselves every once in a while. Um, the car wash <laughs> victims. Uh, Andre Dials will be on stage with me and Esmeralda as well. Rosemont.zanies.com, Tuesday, October 24th. Zanies and Rosemont, Nick D. Podcast Live. Get your tickets now. Um, so, hey, thanks, Esmeralda. Thank you. Hey, uh, Eric Childress and Steve Procopi are going to join me on, uh, on the next episode. We've got uh, some big movies to review, including the new Agatha Christie, um, Kenneth Branagh as Hilclea. That's my French, by the way. That's good French, don't you think? Oh, wow. Yeah. Hercule it sounds Pleur very Pleur. authentic. His name is Hercule Pleur. <laughs> oh, God. He does have a weird mustache, as we all know. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. So we're going to review <laughs> We're going to review his mustache and the movie uh, on, uh, on the next podcast uh, as well. And we want you to be there as well. Uh, and again, if you want to uh, be a sponsor on this podcast, uh, you can do that. Uh, we would love to have you. Sales at RadioMisfits.com is where to write if you want to leave your voicemail. Uh, we didn't get to another. We still didn't get to voicemail message. The megaphone. I've got a bunch of them. But yeah, there's room. We want to hear from you. Voicemail message and megaphone requests. 773-417-6948. Drop us an email 24-7. Podcast at gmail.com. Jason Skaggs, my man. Thank you, Jason, for the themes and the music and all that stu- cool stuff. Uh, Ed uh, at Radio Misfits for everything that he does and rate and review us on every platform and we will see you next time on the Nick D Podcast. Thanks. The wind is right on me.